throughout Russia and now in Kyrgyzstan and in Ukraine. It is amazing to see how God is using our simple efforts to bring people to Christ. There is still a great hunger for truth and for real relationship with God. That's the voice of Victor Oktarov introducing this week's First Person Program. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Victor is the Russian Ministries Director for the Far East Broadcasting Company, and you'll hear his story in just a moment. First, please join us online, either on our webpage, which is firstpersoninterview.com, where you'll find a link to the Far East Broadcasting Company, or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, to say the least, these are challenging days for ministry in the countries of the former Soviet Union. Just recently in Russia, for example, a new law has been passed restricting missionary activity and making it more difficult to share the gospel with people. Also in Russia, FEBC's radio licenses for its AM stations in Moscow and St. Petersburg were revoked. Thankfully, the Internet is still open to FEBC programs. Just before these recent restrictions, I talked with Victor about his vision for reaching millions with the gospel, but we started by talking about his own story. Well, I, I remember when I was 10 years old and uh, they uh, suggested I actually was a good student. It's hard to believe, but I was. <laughs> no, I, and, I, I believe that. <laughs> and I was one of the first uh, kids in class uh, to, to be chosen to become uh, a pioneer, um, a young Communist. Yeah, pioneer and, was the indoctrination of children yes, into communism, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, I came to my father and I said, uh, you know, Dad, uh, what, what should I do? I said, you know, you can do whatever you want. You're still young. You don't have to take a stand. But, you know, they're atheists. And uh, if you want to be associated with them, you know, for, for a while, it's going to be fine. Uh, I'll, I'll still, you know, love you and, and support you. If you want to take a stand, I'll be with you. So I, uh, I was actually crying for, for most of the night, mm-hmm. uh, trying to make that decision. But in the morning, I, I was strong enough to, to say before, before my class that, uh, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer and I'm not going to join the pioneers. So were you for, all alone? Was there anyone else in the class who took that stand? Uh, of course I was all alone. I was all alone in, in the whole school, which was about really? a thousand people and, wow that school next door to us did not have any Christians. So I was alone. Uh, and it was kind of character forming to to take this stand when you're 10 years old. And of course, my dad was um, there for me. And he was wise enough to give me enough freedom and uh, so and still guide me and help me. So that, that, was, that was great. And of course, when I was 15 years old, he was imprisoned. And he was imprisoned for, for the second time. And the first time they just built a little church and five of them, five of them were imprisoned because of that. Simply because they started a church. Yes, yes. And that was during Khrushchev times. Uh, I wasn't even uh, around yet. And then the second time he was also imprisoned because he, he was very active, very outspoken. Uh, he was well educated. And at that time, uh, not too many people in uh, Russian or Ukrainian church had higher education. He was one of those people. And I think the, uh, that, that was one of the reasons why authorities kind of, you know, had a, uh, uh, did want to put him in prison. They had and, it in for him, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember, n- we'll never forget how m- my mom and me we went uh, to visit him. He was in Siberia and we were in eastern Ukraine 
took us maybe a couple days to get to him. And then we had these two hours to spend with my dad. And we came into the prison. It's a special political prison. And you uh, are in, in this small room. And uh, out of the window, you can see prisoners walking by, and many of them are just saying hello to us. And uh, some of the best people in Russia were kept in that prison. And then, uh, and then some of them are saying hello to us in, in a Christian kind of way. They're just saying greetings <laughs> to you. And, and I talk to my dad, and I say, weren't you the only believer in, in this uh, political prison? And he says, yeah, about six months ago, I was the only believer, but the Lord has been working, and he starts me giving story after story of those people becoming believers. And I, uh, you know, uh, when I sit there, and uh, I look at my dad, and I said, dad, you know what, I'll never be able to beat that, as though it's a kind of competition, you know, how many people you uh, yeah. uh, you lead to Christ. Right. And that was my passion, to, to lead three people uh, to Christ in my lifetime. And I think for a teenager, it's not a bad dream, actually. You know, so. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I say, Dad, uh, you're here in the middle of nowhere uh, in Siberia. And uh, God uh, is using you to bring those people to Christ. And I said, I'll never be able to achieve anything like that. And my father looked at me and, uh, and said, and he never does this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he looked at me and said, you know, Victor, uh, pretty soon you'll be preaching the gospel to thousands of people. Thousands of people. He saw that ahead for your life. Somehow he did, but yeah. That, that had to seem just like the most impossible thing in the world to you. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I actually laughed and, and I said, yeah, sure, Dad. Uh, but but he, he added one thing. He said, you know what, um, before it goes to your head, <laughs> son, uh, uh, you'll be doing this as part of the body of Christ. You're not going to be uh, doing this alone. And seven years later, I was sitting uh, behind uh, a microphone, actually here in this studio where we sit right this now. This very studio. This very studio. And uh, this window was closed. And I, uh, you know, when you're alone in the studio, uh, you don't see anybody, you don't know what to do. I had no training whatsoever. I, I was 20-something year uh, old. And when you have no training, no education for it, uh, you just have a passion and then thousands of people start to respond to your programs. You understand very well this is not you doing something special. Yeah. This is God. This is a lot bigger than you. Through you sure. and, yeah. and, you know, so many people who are praying for, for you. And, and we, you know, whenever I talk to our broadcasters, this is exactly what they feel. Um, that, you know, it, you just open up for the Holy Spirit and he uses you. So your, your father's vision came true. In the sense that you do preach to thousands of people, it did, it and did. have seen people come to Christ, but through radio, through radio, yeah, and and who knew, you know, growing up, of course, we we listened to the radio. It was our connection to to the bigger kind of church of, of Jesus Christ, because you know, when you have a small church and you go um, to the service, you don't go to to house of prayer, uh, you uh, you go. To, to the forest because you're trying to hide from the police. So you're listening to the radio? Uh, we, we were growing up, we were listening to the radio, yeah. Uh, but, uh, and that was our connection to, uh, to, to the church at large because our church was very small and we would gather in the forest and in, in houses and nobody knew where the next service and when it's going to be. So and then the police would come and we would run away from the police. It's exciting as teenagers, you know. <laughs> that that's just is such a, a foreign idea to us that uh, you were chased like that. Tell me more about your dad, though. What happened to him? 
Well, he he spent five and a half years in in, uh, in that prison, and and then uh, I was at the army at the time when he was released. But he was suddenly released by by Gorbachev. Uh, of course, Perestroika came mm-hmm. to Russia, and the country was changing. I'll I'll never forget how my commander in the army ran to me and said, "Here, I got a telegram. Your father is free. Our country oh, is changing." My goodness, it was it was. Very, very exciting time at that time. Did you uh, believe it to begin with? I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. And and, and then, uh, of course, after that, my mom told me the story how she was just at night uh, asleep. And uh, she, has, she says, I... Uh, there's this weird dream. A big, nice dog comes to me. <laughs> she said, and and then and then I wake up. I hear someone knocking at the door, and and here's your father there, and he traveled from Siberia to to Ukraine in in his pre- prison clothing, uh, and police knew that all those political prisoners were were freed, so n- nobody stopped him, and and. Um, General 1990s was was a very very exciting time uh, and difficult time for for Russia, but very exciting and many people came to know Christ because country just was wide open. Yeah, I remember those days. But I actually traveled not to Ukraine, but into Moscow and points beyond during the early 1990s and saw some of that enthusiasm and openness for the gospel, which we knew wouldn't last real long because all the bad western influences came to bear That's on the correct, country yeah. as well so yeah. and and no nobody knew how history would uh, would turn but but we still i still travel throughout siberia throughout russia and i meet those people who listen to our broadcast from saipan from uh from the philippines and became christians now they're pastoring churches now they're leaders in in the church and it's it's wonderful and exciting to see that so your father was able to freely preach the gospel after being released he was he was uh yeah and and after that i said and dad what what do you think you know why uh why were you sent why god allowed you to to be in that prison and he said you know what Uh, i would never be able to preach the gospel to so many highly educated people so influential people uh, who later became uh, some of them became leaders uh, of Mm -hmm. their country just like Estonia, and some of them uh, went to Israel and uh, hold uh, held uh, high positions there, mm-hmm. and and they were influenced uh, by my dad. and And he said, "I would never be able to reach so many people like that uh, if not uh, for being in that prison." Yeah, and uh, your father is with the Lord now. He's with the Lord now. Yeah, yeah. Somebody the other day just asked me, "Is your father uh, dead?" And I said, "He's." He's probably more alive, yeah, more alive than, now. than we are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, and and then I I think that's that's the case. Uh, we are not just saying that this is this is the reality of uh, our life. Absolutely, you must give thanks to God though for those godly parents who held fast during that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to say that life was uh, was easy, and no. you know, we they had six children. Uh, my father, when he was not in prison, he was working hard. And um, when I was uh, sitting next to his his bed when he was dying, we had this wonderful long con- conversation. And I asked him, uh, Dad, what what was the most difficult time uh, that you experienced uh, in life? And I thought he would share some of those prison experiences. You know, at times he was locked in a small room where you can just stand and the door is right in front of your face. And and he stood there for eight hours at one time. And he said that people go 
mad, go crazy in three hours because you cannot move, you cannot do anything. And he said, God just gave me uh, his his grace to to be to be strong in there. Uh, but he said that was not the most difficult time. Uh, the most difficult time he said when uh, he went to Moscow and the KGB allowed him. He was a scientist, a physicist, and they allowed him to to work for several months in one of the best uh, labs in uh, in Moscow in the Soviet Union. And he made several breakthroughs in in, hmm. in science in, in those few months and then later on they called him in and said so you want to continue to work here in moscow bring your family here continue to do your research you have five assistants who have phd degrees in physics or you can go back to ukraine uh, and he said well uh, what what do i what should i do to stay here in moscow that was a passion of his life and uh, and they said well just sign this paper oh. uh, just just you can continue to believe in your God, but but you should be a communist if you want to work uh, like that. And my dad told me going back to Ukraine from Moscow uh, on a train that was the most difficult journey in my life because because I was saying no to my dream. I was I was burying my dream, and he said uh, never felt sorry for that, but it was very very difficult. We'll continue today's conversation with Victor Oktarov of the Far East Broadcasting Company coming up on First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to this week's edition of First Person, can I remind you to take a moment and visit the webpage firstpersoninterview.com? Click on the FEBC banner there and you'll hear stories of God at work in the lives of people touched by the programs produced by our dedicated staff. We take Christ to the world through radio and new technology. For more, go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. My guest is Viktor Oktarov. We have known each other for a few years now, and Viktor is Director of Russian Ministries at Far East Broadcasting Company, and I've traveled with Viktor a little bit in some uh, countries, including Russia, And, Victor, it's a great joy to have you on the program here with me today. How inspiring to hear about your parents and your father holding fast to his faith during the difficult days of Soviet communism and how he kept your family together and he passed his faith along to you, you your children. And uh, tell me about your family now. You live in the U.S., as your sister does, because I know she's in the office studio next door to us here. So where's everybody else? Uh, well, uh, our whole family is in, in, in the U.S., and, and we have two ch- two wonderful children who, uh, of course, speak uh, good Russian. Let me <laughs> say it by faith. Uh, and uh, um, but uh, of course, I travel to to Russia and Ukraine all the yeah, time. Right. I, I'm there. I just came from uh, going to Russia, Ukraine, and Latvia, where I used to live. It used to be one big country, you know. Yeah. It didn't matter where you where, where you lived, but. Um, it is it is wonderful to see what God is doing today. Yeah. I want to talk about your radio ministry today. I was able to travel to Ukraine um, over a year ago now and to go to the town where you grew up. And uh, you said – now, this town was uh, the scene of a lot of fighting during the uh, Russian that, uh, invasion that's, of that's Ukraine. That's where it started, yeah. And uh, in Slavyansk. I'm not, mm-hmm. not sure how you pronounce it. That's how I pronounce it. But y- tell me this story about going to um, to the place where some young men were martyred. And uh, tell me that story. Yeah, I, I, I was there just a few days ago and got some new 
details I met with, with, with the uh, widows of uh, some of our volunteers. One of our volunteers, his name is also Victor, was just just a joyful guy. He would come every Monday to the station. We have a station there. God uh, somehow allowed us to open a station in that city of Slavyansk uh, a year before. I got to visit the studios there. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. marvelous. It is marvelous, yeah. And and, and then, uh, of course, it is, it is a very difficult post-war time in Slavyansk. And um, I was talking to Natalia, wife of Victor, and then uh, we went together to the place where where they, they were held, and we came to this house, and uh, this is a former KGB house. This is exactly in the building where my father was held when, when he was in prison. So, uh, Years before, your father was taken to the same house and, yes. and beaten? Um, I, I'm not sure about that. I know that our brothers today were beaten, okay. and they were. Uh, they, they just told me uh, from the witnesses, and they held they held them together in a, in a small cage, maybe oh. a couple meters wide. Uh, four of them, they used uh, scotch tape to cover their eyes, oh, and goodness. they were just just beating them and breaking their bones. And uh, but those, how strange for you to go back to the same building where your father had been held. I know. I know. To too, too many waves of emotions. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, and the witnesses were telling, telling us that those um, brothers of yours were singing Krishna hymns oh, as, oh. as they were being killed. And, wow. you, know, when, uh, you know, we talk about the past, the Soviet times, the difficulties there, and, and this is happening today. Right. And it can happen too. They never expected that this would happen. Uh, of course, to them, they, they lived a normal, unquote, unquote, normal life, and, and then this thing happened, and then you, you have to answer and this is the kind of people that i have a privilege to to work with to minister with uh, and for me it's so humbling to even be associated with uh, with guys like this so that radio station in slavyansk ukraine was destroyed during the fighting it's now back on the air it is back on the air uh, it is back on the air and and we uh, of course the whole tower was destroyed and uh, we just used a little water tower that's standing on that yeah, mountain and yeah. put our antenna I heard about up climbing there. up on the water tower to put the antenna up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was there with one of the probably one of the best saxophone players uh, 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 in in Ukraine, and, and we went to that tower and he played amazing grace. Oh. I'll, I'll send I'll send you. Oh, a video I'd like play. to hear that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And it is amazing what what God is doing. Yeah. But uh, the Far East Broadcasting Company and your role at FEBC extends beyond Ukraine. I mean, it's uh, what you tell me. What is the scope of of the Russian Ministry Department? Well, of course, the Russian Ministry is first of all uh, is about Russia and Ukraine. We are just beginning our ministry. Uh, in Russia, we have stations in Moscow, uh, which is about fifteen million people, uh, and Saint Petersburg. And those are the two capitals of Russia, and. Uh, like in St. Petersburg alone, we have about 250,000 listeners, which is, which is more than, I think, any station here yeah, in, in the U.S. Yeah, that's a tremendous uh, audience size there. Yes, and, and that's uh, only because we are a Christian radio for non-Christians. Uh, we, our audience, first of all, is non-believers. So you're very evangelistic. Uh, very evangelistic. You, what what, what, what are the topics that you would talk about, for instance? Well, uh, we, we, just, we just did a study to see uh, which topics are the most popular ones. 
friends and family by far okay. is the most popular topic. And uh, we now have a block of um, programs during the day when we talk about families and uh, about relationships, how to raise uh, children. There are very few materials in Russia, uh, serious, good, helpful materials that help people actually build families, not destroy right. them. And and we, we are providing that help. And it is so easy when you talk about relationships to talk uh, to turn the conversation to spiritual issues. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years since uh, you hosted us in Moscow, and I got to visit the studios there. But the radio station that reaches Moscow and the one in St. Petersburg, they actually go far beyond the cities, don't they? Don't, don't you reach the rest of the country as well through uh, through cable television? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we have a cable, uh, cable television, uh, we have satellite, and we have internet. And we are developing internet and now uh, smartphones. We, we created applications for smartphones. So practically anywhere in Russia you can tune in to FEBC? Anywhere and practically for, for free. You And we I just done it in Ukraine, in Russia, in small villages, anywhere. In, in Latvia I was there and we just you push a button and you can hear FEBC loud and clear. And new technologies are bringing us those those opportunities and, and we are using them as much as possible. I love it. I remember I, I was talking to Dr. Bowman who, who uh, was one of the founders of yeah. FEBC and and he said, you know, Victor, uh, during those early days when we started in the 1940s, he said people would come up to me and say, uh, you don't use that devil's box <laughs> radio. <laughs> right. radio. And, and the devil is the prince of the power of the air, the Bible <laughs> There says, you so, go, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, in the same way, we are using Internet today to reach many young people for That's Christ. so exciting. And who are, I mean, who are the broadcasters involved? Where do you find them? How do you develop them and their talent? Well, of course, when, when when we started, we did not have anybody who would have any kind of experience, and we still don't have that many people who who understand media, who understand how radio works. But uh, now we have a wonderful group of people. Uh, people like one of them you met, Eugene. He's mm-hmm. he's a psychologist. He's a former KGB officer. In yeah, the imagine Army. that. A, yeah. a former KGB officer who's now doing a, a radio program. Yeah. To uh, convince people to become believers, <laughs> yeah, and, and and he does a wonderful job. He he just he's the most you know, energetic person I've met. I think, and then that's true. Yeah, and 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 it is interesting how God is using His program. You know, He's all about you know doing a morning show, having fun, and then somebody calls and opens up to Him, and 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 He's able to counsel them and and bring many of them to Christ. Uh, in Russia, throughout Russia, and now in Kyrgyzstan and in Ukraine, it is amazing to see how God is uh, using uh, our simple efforts to to bring people to Christ. There is still a great hunger for truth and for real relationship with God. What are the challenges to having radio ministry in, in these countries? Well, of course, political situation is very difficult. Uh, they are trying to close our station in St. Petersburg, and it is only uh, by the prayer of our supporters and our listeners, uh, it is by those prayers that we are still broadcasting. We don't know for how long we'll be able to do that. And uh, But at the same time, we, we feel this kind of persecution, this pressure. At the same time, we just opened a station in central Russia. So and God is able to do miracles and he's doing those miracles but overall the situation in Russia is becoming more and more difficult politically uh, for evangelicals in general yeah. and and we are trying to do everything we can not to offend it, uh, anybody but just to share Christ with people and it feels like uh, the window of opportunity is closing but uh, but we don't want to believe that we want to believe that we'll be able to reach uh, a lot more a lot more people for Christ 
This conversation with Victor took place just before stringent new legal restrictions were placed on missionary and gospel activity in the country of Russia. Another event was the revocation of licenses for FEBC's AM stations in Moscow and St. Petersburg. However, through God's guidance and wise planning, FEBC has been able to switch its emphasis in Russia to the Internet, where many are listening with smartphones. In Ukraine and other former Soviet countries, both the Internet and radio stations continue to be used in proclaiming the gospel. Please pray for these efforts and for FEBC staff, made up of local broadcasters who know the languages involved. For more, please visit firstpersoninterview.com, where we'll provide additional links. Also, click on the FEBC banner for more information. That's firstpersoninterview.com. My thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of First Person. Next week, we'll talk with Michael Card. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next time for First Person. First Person.